0: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Welcome, one, and welcome all to our Friday and weekend edition of Fantasy NBA Today. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. This is a HoopBall presentation, hoop-ball.com, the website. You can follow me and HoopBall on Twitter. I am at Dan DanBespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or you know the drill. Just Google search Dan from HoopBall, and you can follow HoopBall Fantasy on Twitter. I mentioned on yesterday's show, that is the news feed for all things fantasy sports. If you are not following it, you must do so immediately. Because many of you are following me, and I don't know that all of you are actually following Hoop ball Fantasy as well. You should be. That's where I get my news when I'm away from my computer for a few minutes. When I'm there, I can follow, you know, hundreds of beat writers and all that good stuff. But you can't be in front of your computer all the time. You can try. Lord knows I try. Much to the chagrin of my loved ones, I try. Today, as we did last week, the much-ballyhooed Friday editions of Fantasy NBA Today. This is what we're doing now in the middle of the year. Middle, being sort of a... Uh, it's in quotes. We're, we're in the season. We're in the season now. It's not that weird first Friday, which was Christmas. The second Friday, where we did the show this way, it was New Year's Day. This one is kind of the first real... In the swing of things Friday, but it's going to be the same as last week. Basically, what we do on our Friday shows is it's a week in review podcast, meaning I go backwards through Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday, and Monday's news and box scores and give you my lists of ads, holds, watch list guys, streamers, drops, buy lows, and sell highs, and really on the buy low, sell high stuff, we try to focus on the key names the ones where there is some serious profit to be made, and not the BS stuff. Like, some of you guys are telling me that you're able to get a lot for Terry Rozier right now, which boggles the mind because, yes, he's been good. He's number 48 in nine-category league so far, but we're eight games into a season where on a team where there are four primary ball handlers. Like, there's just no way 47.5% shooting. That doesn't hold up... And some of you guys are out there getting, you know, top 50, top 40 guys that are clear season long, rest of season, top 40, top, like there's no way to, anyway, I don't need to get sidetracked by that. Basically what I'm saying is, yeah, he's a sell high guy, but I don't think you can aim all that high with him. The buy lows and sell highs we're going to discuss on these Friday shows are uh, just a couple of each that have a big profit margin right now for various reasons. And then, and we don't really do a Thursday recap on these Friday shows because it gets all rolled up in the weekend review. And then we'll take a look at tonight's games, Friday night's games, and kind of a forward-looking peek at the weekend. Although, again, you don't, you don't know exactly what's going to be coming up on Saturday and on Sunday, but we, have, we can plan a little bit. Friday's a big card. We got 10 games tonight, so 20 out of the 30 teams are going in the NBA. You've got another eight games tomorrow, so you pretty much wipe everybody out. Friday and Saturday, and we can kind of look ahead to see what we want to pull data-wise from each team's next basketball game. What are we looking for? Which connects to our Monday shows, the reverse chronological lightning round Monday, where we look back at those games and pull, figure out what data we were, in fact, able to pull out of them. Again, I want to remind you guys, please do follow me on social media. It's a big deal. It's where I do a lot of my, you know, like the extracurricular fantasy stuff, things we can't get done in an hour-long podcast that drops once a day, such as right before recording this show, and I'm recording it late at night the night before, news broke from uh, Jason Quick, who covers the Trailblazers for The Athletic up in Portland, that Yusuf Nurkic, he, he sort of finally came out and told us everything that was going on. He talked how... He actually went back to Bosnia during the shortened offseason to take care of family stuff. So remember, he lost his grandma right before the bubble. I believe it was to COVID. So there was a lot weighing on his mind. And apparently he got back like days before training camp opened. So you want to talk about someone who had no conditioning at all coming into this season. And, you know, we talked about that on the podcast. Where, like, This looks like a guy who's out of condition and he's still not he's not there at all. Now, his minutes were lower on Thursday because that game was a uh, round beating of the Minnesota Timberwolves, but now we know why his minutes have been very slowly trending up, so if you're hanging on to Ennis Cantor, get ready to find another option there. But this is the kind of stuff that you, you guys are hearing this on the podcast some 12 hours after the news broke, so reasons to follow, well, obviously Jason Click, that's a reason to follow him, but... That's the type of stuff I can find throughout the day and try to throw your way quickly, the instant stuff. So again, that's at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. It's also a place where you can hit me up if you want to join the madness here at Ball. I'm opening the podcast today by putting out the recruiting pitch one more time this week. We are looking to fill a slot in our DFS operation. A contributor-level spot is open as we grow the DFS unit, so please do hit me up on Twitter or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Let's dive into the week and review. That makes the most sense. If there was massive breaking news, we would hit that first, but it, there hasn't been, and this podcast sort of needs to hang out for the weekend, so let's get into the evergreen stuff. The ad list. These are not in the order that I would suggest adding them. This is in the order that I looked at the teams on which these players play, DeAnthony Melton is at the top of my list, and a lot of you guys are going to say, what the hell are you talking about, Dan? DeAnthony Melton played 21 minutes in Memphis's loss at home to the Cavaliers. He had eight points in that game, but hear me out on this. We know that DeAnthony Melton has one of the best steal rates in the entire NBA. He also is wildly out of condition. Played one game at the beginning of the year, had to sit out two weeks due to COVID protocol. Presumably, when guys miss two weeks like that, it usually means that they had it. So I'm assuming he actually had COVID, which means no workouts with the team, minimal exercise. I don't know if DeAnthony Melton has like a riding bike in his apartment or wherever the hell he's living for the season. Uh, So he's working his way back up. He had 15 minutes in his first game back, he had 21 on Thursday. Eight points, three boards, three three steals, and one block. He can rack up steals. He can get blocks. He will hit some three-pointers. His usage is probably not going to be that high once John Morant and JJJ get back, but just from a who-should-be-on-the-floor standpoint, he should be overtaking Tyus Jones at some point in the not-too-distant future, so I think he's got—there's there's at least reason to flip him out the end of your bench. He's not what I would call a guy you cut someone with, you know, playing 33 minutes a night for, but— there are some pretty whack dudes on fantasy teams right now, and I would rather have Melton over those guys. I'm also going to call, and this one's a little iffy, but I'm going to call Willie Cauley-Stein an ad because he's now started two games in a row. He's played about half of each of those games, and in 24 minutes, he's a fantasy value. Even if he wasn't really one on Thursday, I mean, it was okay. Five points, nine boards, a steal, and a block. One for one from the field. That's a usage rate of 4.9, by the way. Only because he took four free throws. Dealing with Nikola Jokic, that's that's a load, man. Cut Willie Cauley Stein some slack. Dallas has won two games in a row with their new look lineup, which is uh, Cauley Stein and Kleba the front court. Tim Hardaway Jr., Dwight Powell coming off the bench. Dwight Howell's just not even playing right now, and I don't know if it's a conditioning thing or if it's just he's not he's just not the right fit at the moment. Tim Hardaway Jr. I know he had that big 30-point outburst, but coming off the bench is not really going to be a good thing for him because now he's fighting for those backup minutes. If he gets hot, maybe he sticks, but the starters sort of have the first dibs on it. I'm not married to Tim Hardaway Jr. as a rest-of-season guy, but I don't think you can part with him because he could be back in the starting lineup by next week with as often as Rick Carlisle moves bodies around. But Willie Cauley-Stein, he's on the ad list Uh, Maxi Kleba, if he's going to play 36 minutes a game, he's absolutely on the ad list. But we also have to remember, Christoph Porzingis is coming back. They expect him back by the middle of this month. There'll be a slow ramp-up process from that point. So whatever you're doing here, you have to prepare yourself to probably part with some of these guys in the not-too-distant future. Oh, well. Oh, well. Next guy on the ad list, Cole Anthony. And we talked about that on yesterday's podcast because of Markel Fault's torn ACL. I'm not super bullish on Anthony, mostly because I think he's going to be, you know, a fourth, fifth fiddle kind of thing on that team, at least in terms of scoring stuff. And then I also don't think he's going to be a primary initiator on offense. He might get the ball into the front court and he may actually get, you know, the term initiator might actually apply to him perfectly. But he's not going to be the last guy to touch the ball before a shot as often as most point guards in the NBA, because he's he, they'll they'll play more point forward kind of stuff. Uh, Aaron Gordon or point center with uh, Nico Vucevic. So uh, with Anthony, you have to add him because point guards don't grow on trees, and kind of the same reasoning for Alfred Payton, who's the next guy on this list, and he's kind of a repeat offender in that regard, because uh, they're just so rare. They're so rare. You have to have them. Meanwhile, Alfred Payton somehow, despite seemingly putting up really nice numbers, still sits outside the top 200. It's mind-boggling stuff. Uh, The steals will come around for Alfred, which is one of the big pieces of his value, is he's a very high steal rate guy. Has been throughout his career, and last season in New York, he averaged 1.6 steals, In 28 minutes of ball game. And this year he's at 29 minutes. But averaging just .5. So that's a number that's going to come up for him. Assists will likely come up for him. From 5 to I would venture to guess 6 and change. 49% shooting is probably going down. 54% free throw shooting. Who knows? Who knows with Alfred Payton. But he belongs on teams. Because when those steals come around. It'll be enough. Barely. Barely. But it'll be enough. And maybe that's what we should expect out of Cole Anthony, Was probably a little bit better at the free throw line, a little bit better at three-point shooting, but not going to get as much work scoring, assisting. And I don't know that we know enough about Cole Anthony to say whether he's going to get you a bunch of defensive stats. But again, both of those guys do belong on rosters because they're point guards. They're playing big minutes. Kelly Olenek is on my ad list. We devoted an entire segment to Kelly Olenek earlier this week. And then he immediately moved into the starting lineup. And I admit, he was not a thrilling game to watch on... What day was that? Wednesday? I think that was Wednesday. 21 minutes, 11-5 and five with three three-pointers. But again, the the efficiency with him that we've talked about in that segment earlier this week, his ability to just get stuff when he's on the floor he just gets stuff he rolls up fantasy stats because he can hit the three ball he'll get you some rebounds he'll get you a few points he'll usually wander into a steal or a block he's a good passer that boston game was a little bit weird i'm betting and they play again on saturday at a couple of days off between ball games They go saturday and sunday back to back i don't know that that boston game is going to be a good fit for him but the washington game probably will be and uh, you probably get a pretty good chunk out of him in that in that Saturday performance. So I still like Kelly Olynyk as an ad. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, he's on teams mostly at this point, but he's not. You know, just give a cursory glance, go to your team page and check him out because Darren Fox might be out. Even when Darren Fox was in, Halliburton has been so poised as a rookie, not making those typical rookie issues in fantasy stuff. He's shooting fifty-one percent from the field, eighty-eight percent at the free throw line. I don't think the 51% holds, good though he may be, while hitting two three-pointers a game on only eight shots a night. Yeah, that's, that's not going to stick. Still, he's looked really good, only .7 turnovers, almost five assists a game. That's Monty Morris-level numbers, but he should be owned already. And the last one on my ad list, and this is one that could very easily move off the ad list even before you hear this podcast, is the mighty Bobby Portis, old punchy, He's been playing well so far this year. He he had two rough ones. Opening night, played only 16 minutes, had three points, four boards, missed a bunch of free throws. And then he had an 18-minute loss to Miami, but he still had 11 points in that and a steal and a block. There's a lot going on with Portis this year that confuses. What I mean by that is... uh, .8 steals well above his career mark, .6 blocks well above his career mark there, and it's not as though his minutes are all that much higher than his career minutes, it's just that right now he's dominating. There's a few things that I want to use as benchmarks for him, and I would say that the furious run he was allowed to go on in Washington after that midseason trade two years ago, the Auto uh, Porter deal, I think is probably the best way to describe it. After he got traded to the Wizards, and there was sort of nobody standing in his way, Porter's played 27 and a half minutes a game. Averaged 14 and almost 9 with a steal, 1.73 pointers, 81% at the free throw line. I mean, he was cooking, but he was shooting just 44% from the field. And over his career, he's at 46%. So, a couple of things to take note of this year. Right now, he's shooting 54 Five percent which, by the way, you could make the argument that his numbers are just going to be a little bit better from an efficiency standpoint on a team like Milwaukee, where he's going to be on the floor with other people who draw attention. Such was not the case in Washington or Chicago or New York last year, where they couldn't put together a, a competent offense to save their lives, but he was still at 45%. Right now, he's just shooting the lights out from two, from two point land. That's been the difference because his three point percentage is right on his career mark. His two point percentage is way above it. You know, his two point percentage is somewhere in like the 50 ish range throughout his career, and this season he's like up around 60. Does that come down? It depends. Shot profile makes a pretty big difference there. Without going on too deep of a dive, he's at 11 points and 8 rebounds, 0.8 steals, 0.6 blocks, and, 23 and a half minutes a game, which does kind of feel like the target number for him. He gets closer to 26, 27 in blowouts, which Milwaukee is no stranger to, and closer to 22 in more competitive basketball games. At least that's the way it seems right now. Can he keep it up all year? I don't know there's something of a dearth of scoring centers. There's a lot of late-round centers, but they don't put up much in the way of scoring. And Bobby Portis at least can kind of go get you double-digit points, and that's something. So he's the last guy on the ads list. The hold list, and I don't even know if I necessarily had to put this player on there, but I put Keldon Johnson on the hold list because he had one rough game against the Lakers. Five points, two boards, two assists, and a steal on two-for-ten shooting. He's going to be great all year. Just stick it out. Some of the, the other names on this list I think probably deserve a little bit more of our time and attention. Boogie, which was a guy that I put on this list and then I remembered he had that last ball game where Christian Wood was out. I think he's on this list mostly just so that I can remind all you guys that it's a slow ramp-up. Think about what we just found out about Yusuf Nurkic and his conditioning. Uh... Nurk missed a year and a half, played in the bubble with all that emotional stuff going on, rolling on adrenaline, and then didn't have a chance to train. With Boogie, they're kid-gloving the crap out of that dude. It's going to be, you know, an extra 30 seconds every game, extra minute, two minutes per week kind of thing. But, I mean, look at what he did in that Wednesday game in 23, 24 minutes. That's all he needs. He doesn't even need that much. 20 minutes would do. Mason Plumlee is on my hold list. He had two awful ones against the Milwaukee Bucks, who just annihilated him. I think he'll be fine. They don't really have other reasonable options, which is, I know they brought in a whole host of centers, but he is clearly the most accomplished. He's he's a passing big man, rebounding passing big man, and I think he'll be fine, so hold there. Lou Dort is a hold because he's playing 30 minutes a game, although it is still not fully established whether or not he has a decent fantasy profile. playing 30 minutes a night, but he's shooting 50%, and he's barely hanging on to fantasy value right now. And I don't know, and I said this actually on yesterday's show, so I'm repeating myself, but bear with me. He seems like one of those guys who's so good defensively that he doesn't need steals and blocks. That he's going to be at like one steal a game and maybe half a block a game, which is fine, but when you think about the fact that he he may be a top five defender in the NBA, it just doesn't translate to defensive stats. That's the difference between gambling and just being so good you don't have to. He is very good on the defensive side of the ball. But hold him for now while we feel this thing out. There aren't that many guys playing as much and having as much opportunity as Dort that you can drop him for. I'm Thinking of the names we just listed off on our ad list, who would I even want on that list over Dort? Uh, maybe, maybe Peyton? Maybe not. He's got all those holes in his fantasy game. Probably no one on that ad list. Probably no one. Maybe Halliburton, depending on how this season shakes out. Chris Boucher is on my hold list. I think I just need to put him on there every week, even though he's been totally fine, and even his bad games are sort of usable. He's number 65 in 9-cat on the year in only 19 and a half minutes, but it's going to be a bumpy ride. He's averaging two blocks in those 19 minutes. That's actually probably a number that comes down a little bit. Maybe the minutes go up and the blocks settle, but he's, he's a permanent monster. He's a permanent monster. That two blocks is inflated a bit by the seven-block game he had in their second game of the season at San Antonio. So, you know, he's a guy where you look at his last week, he's more like top 80. Either way, he belongs on fantasy teams. It's going to be bumpy. Maybe you don't even watch on each night. Or check in and see if it's going to be a big one and then celebrate. If it's going to be a bad one, just go do something else. Wendell Carter Jr. also on my hold list because he's just that guy. He's a late-round center whose defensive stats have not yet come around this year, but they will. We know enough about him in two seasons prior to this one. I know he's banged up, but he put together 87 games and playing around 27 minutes a night, he averaged half a steal in one block. And that's what he'll get to this year. The steals and blocks will come. He'll settle in at about 12 and 8 with a half a steal and a block, and it makes him like a top 95 center. Don't get too excited. He's not going to be better than that, but he belongs on a team. Marvin Bagley is on the hold list, although after his last game, I probably didn't need to remind you of this. He was someone that needed me to list him as a hold prior to him popping off for 21 and 12 with seven cash stats. He's still number 293 on the year, but here's the thing. I'm not a massive Marvin Bagley fan. I thought this year he might be a value since he was getting drafted at like 120, 125, and he does have, if you look back at his rookie year, in 25 minutes a game, he was at 15 uh, and 8 with one and a half combined defensive stats, and I figured he would get to at least 25 minutes this year, and he's barely clearing that mark. I, I think his minutes will probably trend up a little bit as he finds his stroke. But the key here is that he's shooting 39%. And this is a close to 50 percenter over his career. I know the number of three-pointers is trending up a little bit. Last season, he shot 81% at the foul line. He's at a career-low 61.5% right now. There are a lot of things with Bagley that are going to revert towards the mean and bring him towards that top 100 level. And Draymond Green is the last name on my hold list right now because he's just getting into the swing of things there is a distinct possibility he ends up fantasy useless. Like right now, he's playing 24 and a half minutes a game, which includes one ramp up and one blowout. So those are sort of artificially depressing his minutes. He's going to be around 28 to 30 in competitive Warriors basketball games, but he doesn't want to shoot at all. He has a grand total of 10 points in four games so far this year. He has more rebounds and assists Then he has points. He has almost as many steals as he has points. He has six steals and only ten points in four games. So I don't know. I mean, this is a very real possibility that Draymond Green, even laser focused on the defensive side, doesn't clear the top 100. But you can't make that call yet because 24 and a half minutes is not the number. And by the way, he's shooting 18%. I know he's bad at shooting, but 18%. Some of you guys listening to this podcast could probably shoot 18%. I can't. I don't know if I could make 18% of my layups. (laughs) But you guys, maybe someone out there could. Anyway, Draymond Green, suffice to say, he's an NBA player. That number will increase. Watch list. Daniel Tice and the Time Lord. Two centers on Boston. Those are the only two guys on my watch list right now where I don't feel like there's quite enough to add... They don't necessarily belong on fantasy teams. I know that Robert Williams has actually looked pretty good, and on the season right now, the Time Lord is number 63, but it's a tough 63 because he's shooting 80%. I don't care how good you are at getting right in front of the bucket, 80% is not sustainable. 86% at the free throw line, likely unsustainable for a career 66 percenter. Meh. Six and a half rebounds in 16 minutes, that's probably not sustainable. 2.6 combined defensive stats, actually that is somewhat sustainable. He's a defensive stat magnet. Even last year, in only 13 minutes a game, he averaged two defensive stats. So that, you know, he could rack him up in that particular manner. And he's obviously been, you know, 9-cat rosterable to this point. If you could plot it out so that you have him on your team on the games when Tristan Thompson is resting, well, you're golden. But that's only like 11, 12 more games the rest of this year. What do you do with him in the other ones? It's a mystery. 8-4 and four with a steal and a block in his last ball game. Yeah, that was fine. He went 3-3 three for three from the field. You need to catch him on a night where he's playing 19 minutes. If you can, you're golden. Those defensive stats are crazy. Nerland's Noel level stuff. But there are going to be some weeks where he just annihilates your team. couple of streamers. Justin Holiday, long streamer, which he almost falls just into the ad category with the length of time he's likely going to be putting up value. Shake Milton. Oh, gosh. We got to talk about that. Let's get a little loop back around to Shake Milton in the 76ers. Austin Rivers with uh, Alec Burks out for another week. Looks like he's set to, uh, to put up some decent numbers. And let's do our drops. Our buy lows, our sell highs, and then we'll loop back around to the 76ers because that's a, that's a big story that probably should have been kind of buried the lead a little bit. Uh, frankly, kind of forgot about it just for a second. Josh Richardson, to me, is actually getting close to a drop. He's getting close. He's not quite there yet. Uh, he's number 134 in 31 minutes a game. Guys, the defensive stats are not coming back. He's not that guy anymore. He's not that guy anymore. I know. It hurts. It hurts. He played 41 minutes in their OT game at Denver. He got two steals. Shot three, uh, five for 15. He's hurting teams right now. I know everybody's like, oh, you got to ride it because he's got all the minutes and whatnot. But he's not efficient. He's not getting defensive stats. He's not scoring very much. What, what's left? Miles Bridges is on my drop list. He looked good for a couple of games. And he did this last year too where he, could, he got really aggressive for like two weeks And then he was really passive for a month, and then he was really aggressive for two weeks, which is great. So if you catch him on the front end of one of those aggression runs, you're you're golden. But if you miss it, then you get you know two and six or eight and four or seven and five. But then you walk into one and you get twenty and sixteen with two blocks. I want to talk about a guy who has his season numbers being inflated by one game. He's number one hundred and three on the year. He's number one seventy four over his last four ball games. Oopsies. He's out. And I don't care that PJ Washington had one good ball game. He's also out for me. He's 150 on the year. He's 114 over the last week with the big ball game built in. I don't care if he sticks it in my eye. I'm I'm out on PJ. Josh Hart. I think I'm officially out. I know it's really neat to have a shooting guard that can get 8, 9, 10 rebounds, but zero points you got to do something. You're not a big man, so you can't come in with 10 rebounds and two blocks and, and call it a night. Right now, he's averaging 8.5 rebounds, one steal, and one three-pointer on 37% shootings, numbered 172. There needs to be more. Both percentages are bad. Three-pointers are not enough. Maybe that three-point percent trends up. As the shots start to fall, you know he's at 29% this year. He's career 35% three-point shooter. If he can get that three-point number from 1.01 up to like 1.5, 1.9 is where he was last year. His volume is way down this season. Like I I would, I'd be head over heels for Josh Hart if he was averaging 10 and eight with a steal and two three-pointers. But he's not there. I am holding him in a couple of spots because he's such a unique build of a fantasy player, but I get it. From a from a standard, I-need-to-start-my-10-best-guys my kind of standpoint, he doesn't make the cut at 172. Norm Powell is on this part of the list as well. I would totally understand it if you guys felt the need to hold, but he's number 244. Mild signs of life. Yeah, I guess. But right now, and, and this is really upsetting. He's playing 23 minutes a game, and he's averaging 1.3 rebounds and 0.7 assists. He's averaging more steals per game than assists. That's crazy. Dude is not passing. He's not hitting his shots, although that number will come back up. You know, 30.5% is not going to last all year. He's not a guy that rebounds or assists all that much to begin with, but like you look at last year— he averaged 28 and minutes a game during the regular season. I got to think something weird is going on here. Because if he gets up to 28 minutes, he should be a fantasy value. Career 45% shooter from the field. He was at 49 last year. It seemed like maybe he took a step forward there. Let's, we'll, we'll see. I'm okay if you guys feel the need to move on. There's just too many things floating around that are super interesting. Same deal with Jay Crowder. He's going to hang out just beyond the edge of the top 100 probably all year. He's at 120 right now. He'll have that one big game every four. This is almost exactly where he's at. He had two back-to-back big games, but then like there are four gappers on either side. He's sandwich. I'm okay with the drop there. I'm okay with the drop of Patrick Williams in Chicago. It seems like as Otto Porter and Garrett Temple are getting their legs, they're seeing more of the minutes. Ivica Zubac is a drop. Serge Ibaka has won the position battle seemingly, at least, with the Clippers. Nick Batum, he's what I'm going to call a future drop lister because Marcus Morris is on his way. Not there yet, but he's coming. And finally, and I'll eat crow if I have to on this one, Ricky Rubio, who's coming off his best game of the year. He played 25, uh, 28 minutes excuse me, in a blowout loss at Portland. And came up with 2 points, 5 boards, 10 assists, and 5 steals. He had almost no usage. And I just, I have no idea what to make of Ricky Rubio this year. If this is a competitive game, D'Angelo Russell plays more than 28 minutes. Did Rubio play because it was garbage time? Did he play because he was orchestrating better than other players on the floor? It's super unclear. I think after this one, you probably just hold on for one more game to see if this was the start of something. But he's outside the top 200 even after that ballgame is built in. Let me give you some buy lows with big profit margin. Michael Porter Jr. is a buy low right now because word came out on Thursday night that he finished his seven-day quarantine for COVID protocol stuff and immediately has to start another 10-day quarantine, which I think... You know, read the tea leaves a little bit here. I doubt that in his first quarantine, he broke quarantine. And if he did, he's an idiot. But I don't know. I mean, maybe he's an idiot. Well, What do I know about these people? I don't know them personally. He could have broken it. This could be like warning one and then warning two. But my guess would be, Occam's razor here, often the simplest solution is the correct one. He probably has it. He probably was in quarantine because of an exposure was contact tracing as i recall he probably caught it he probably got a positive test back during his quarantine so they caught it after the exposure isolated him he's isolated so presumably not going to give it to anyone else on the team one would hope but now he's stuck until i think the they're saying another 10 days or so which would you know put him just beyond the 14 so he probably got a positive test on the third day of quarantining That'd be my guess. Why is he a buy? Because anybody that has him thought they were getting him back on Thursday and then found out, whoops, he's gone for another week and a half, at least. And they're going to be pissed. They're going to be pissed. You're not going to get him for cheap. So that requires an additional note on this thing. You're not going to get him for cheap because someone probably spent an early pick on him. But look, he's number eight in nine cats so far shooting 57% from the field, not sustainable, but we've seen that from a field goal percent standpoint, he is very good. Like he can hang around 50 with three pointers in the mix. He's got a steal and one and a half blocks per game so far this year. I don't know that that number is going to stick. Just looking at kind of what was done in his run last year in, you know, 16 minutes a game, he was at half a block. So you know, His minutes didn't even double, and his blocks tripled. Steals stayed uh, more or less on target. That may trend down a tiny bit as well. But look, he shot 51% last year. He's 57%. He's a good free throw shooter. He'll get you six and change rebounds. Not going to pass very much, but who cares? 0.5 turnovers would probably come up. Still, what you're talking about here is just take his numbers right now, dial the field goal percent back down to 50 Okay, 50 or 51, something in the neck of the woods. Dial the blocks down from one and a half to, say, one. He's, he's not a first-round guy anymore, but he's still very easily a top 35 guy in that regard. Maybe better. So when I say buy low, I think you could give up a third rounder for Michael Porter Jr., and you'd probably break even. Meaning, don't do that. Who'd you get in the fourth round? Go look at your draft results as you're listening to this podcast. Go look at who went in the fourth round around your team. Or maybe the fifth round. Maybe you could even get him for a fifth rounder. Jalen Brown, he's hot. He's hot as hell so far this year. Go offer Jalen Brown for Michael Porter Jr. One of them has much higher upside than the other. Jalen Brown's had a really good start to the year. Make no mistake, he's number 18 right now. But we know... We know. The free throw number's coming down. The field goal percent number's coming down. Steals and blocks probably coming down for him, too. He'll fall faster than Michael Porter Jr. Who else is in that mix, guys, that were drafted in the fifth round that are playing relatively well? Tobias Harris. Why don't you throw Tobias Harris out there for Michael Porter Jr.? People are going to call me insane. But these are good offers. What about someone in the sixth round? What about I don't know. Uh, I was going to say John Wall, but that's really more of an 8-cat versus 9-cat kind of thing. What about like a Thomas Bryant or a Macau Bridges? Where's Bridges at right now? He started off super hot. He's faded a tiny bit. Is it 36? If you offered somebody Macau Bridges for Michael Porter Jr., probably wouldn't get the job done. Worth a shot, though. DeMar DeRozan? Someone should be milking DeMar DeRozan for all they're worth at this exact moment. Throw him out there. Try DeMar. Try Tobias. Try Jeremy Grant. Although he's probably going to have a pretty good year, too. Not quite the ceiling. Not quite the ceiling. I don't know that Grant's going to hit 90% of his free throws all year, but he's going to get all the usage he can handle, so that, that might have been a bad example. Might have been a bad example. You can look at the rank list. You don't even have to look at the, the draft list. Look at guys that are ranked in the 30s and 40s so far this year that you know don't belong but have buzz attached to their name. Or someone that does belong that doesn't have buzz, like a Kyle Lowry. He's number 38. Probably where he's going to hang out all year. I'd trade him for Michael Porter Jr. I would. I think he's going to finish ahead of him from what I've seen so far this year. Who else you got in there? Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, it won't be enough. Rudy Gobert at 43. It's insane. Crazy enough to work. Probably blows up your team build a little bit. Victor Oladipo at 49. That's an interesting one. Julius Randle at 51. A lot of really good examples of something you could use. Buddy Heald is my other buy low, and he's not going to cost nearly as much because Buddy's outside the top 150 because he's shooting about 8% from the field so far this year. That is a slight exaggeration. I think he's at like 30. What's he at? 34. Sorry, 34%. If you just ratchet that up by 10% and don't change anything else... Then he goes from being a top 150 guy to like a top 80 guy. That's all it takes. He's also down in free throw percent. All of his stuff is coming up. It has to, because he's playing 36 minutes a game. He's a big buy low. And I think you could probably get him for... I don't know that you could do it for a a super hot free agent type. Like, you you know, you're not going to get him for a Bobby Portis. You're going to need somebody that was probably drafted relatively late and is playing kind of well. Like maybe an Otto Porter, who we love on this show, but you know, he, there's there's no massive upside with Otto. We love his efficiency, steals 3s, all that good stuff, but you know, ceiling-wise, Buddy Hield's ceiling is higher. What about a Joe Harris? He was probably drafted late. He's number 70 right now after a big ball game. Darius Beasley. Some other names in that mix. You're not going to get him for the guys that just emerged as free agent pickups, like in Austin Rivers. That's not going to be enough. Malik Beasley, would that be enough? He's number 83. Probably not. Dante DiVincenzo, that's an interesting one. Mason Plumley. Mike Conley at 93. Cut your losses there, man. Heald's got the higher upside. So there's a couple of buy lows. A couple of sell highs. We already mentioned Jalen Brown. The other one is Malcolm Brogdon, who's looked great so far this year. But he's shooting 52% on ultra-high volume. And I know that during his time in Milwaukee, he was a 50-40-90 guy. But he's taking tougher shots right now. He's hitting leaning three-pointers. I mean, it's all going down. And he's at two steals a game, which is literally twice his career rate. He's going to be better than last year, unless he completely falls apart, which I don't see happening. But I think you're looking at more like a top 40 kind of season. And so if you could move Brogdon for someone that you think is going to hang out inside the top 25, you do it. Examples of guys that maybe are slightly behind that mark that are likely to move forward. Shea Gilgis-Alexander. It's an interesting one. He'll take a lot. He'll take a lot of cash. I think Mitchell Robinson is a guy that that moves forward over the course of the year. I do. John Collins probably moves forward, although that may scare some people. Quick quick scan of the list. You're not going to get a first rounder, so don't even don't even t- try that one. Um, Chris Paul. You probably gain about a round of value there. That might be an interesting buy-low, sell-high. Plus, if you're like, well, Chris Paul's injury-prone, yeah, so is Malcolm Brogdon. I don't think you could get DeAndre Ayton. I don't think you could get a second-rounder for Brogdon yet. If he plays like this for another week or two, you might be able to. So that's the dice roll, potentially, if you're trying to put a, mish- you're to put a match together. And that's the weekend Review segment of today's podcast. Let's talk about the big piece of news that we kind of buried into the middle of the show for reasons that... There weren't any reasons, actually. I just forgot. The Philadelphia 76ers appear to be the potential site of our first real NBA COVID issue as Seth Curry had a positive test come back while he was sitting on the team bench in the first quarter of their game on Thursday. I actually had my wife ask me uh, two nights back why the players are wearing masks on the bench, and I get to throw that piece of news right in her face, and she's sitting behind me nodding. You know what that means? She's admitting I'm right. Now she flipped me off. <laughs> it's a big day for Dr. Bespers back there. Um, we'll see if it works. You know, they, they have these protocols in place because stuff like this is unavoidable in a league where they play at times every night, most often every other night, but presumably, and and you know, that's the thing. Like, he, m- most likely, the exposure was on Sunday, something like that. Saturday, Sunday of last week. His test from, whatever, Philly played Washington the the previous night. The test from that day, maybe that day came back negative. Might have gotten tested that morning, came back negative, he played Washington. But then the viral load, we've talked about this a million times during that long layoff from March through July, and then again, It's unavoidable. So the NBA has to be extremely vigilant. Wear your masks when you're on the bench. He was going to sit out last night's game anyway with, I believe it was a sore knee or something like that. So I guess there was a little bit of luck there that he wasn't in the ball game and he was sitting on the bench. And so he was only really close to, you know, one or two guys instead of everybody. And then they have to figure out you know, was the exposure what from the previous night? What about the flight? Things of that nature. I assume these guys are supposed to be wearing their masks on the flight and probably sitting pretty far apart on team planes. But the Philadelphia 76ers are now quarantining in New York. And what this means for their upcoming schedule, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we'll probably learn more about that over the weekend. It's one of the reasons that Again, I say follow me on social media because I'm not going to do a podcast when I find out what happens to the Sixers over the weekend. Uh, they They play tomorrow. They play on Saturday at home against the Nuggets, supposedly. They don't play again until Monday. My guess would be that Nuggets game doesn't happen. I'd be pretty surprised because whoever was exposed to Seth Curry on Thursday, I don't think they want those guys rolling out there on Saturday. That game on Monday might get postponed too until they find out they're back-to-back. That's a, that's a shame. Monday and Tuesday, they're back-to-back. So you might see three Sixers games postponed here, which, by the way, is why the NBA built their schedule in halves. We don't know the second half of the year because Sixers Nuggets, Sixers Hawks, Sixers Heat might just have to get slotted into April somewhere. Better safe than sorry. Hopefully everybody's okay there. Um, we're already hearing, you know, Joel Embiid has a three-month-old at home. It sounds like he's not going home. So that stinks. That stinks. But that is the current climate. It's kind of amazing that this is the first one that has popped up in a, in a game situation like that. But there's two sides to this. I had Shake Milton on my streamers list, but they might not play for a week. So I don't think I would race out and pick up 76ers. And if you have them, just know this is why you play Roto. Those of you guys with Sixers in your head-to-head leagues, you're like, oh, you know, bleep me. What if you have Embiid and Tobias on your team? You might, your week is doomed. Probably. But if you're in a Roto league, guess what? They'll play those games. They'll just be later. I presume. They're going to try to get them all in. These games are going to matter. Sixers, one of the better teams in the NBA. A couple of those teams in there. Playoff teams. These are important. So, probably don't stream 76ers right now. And let's hope Seth Curry's okay, and let's hope everybody else is okay as well. Uh, I don't... It doesn't sound like he had contact with... uh, Who the hell did they play? Brooklyn? Anybody on Brooklyn? Kyrie Irving just missed the game. Didn't give anybody a reason. They listed it as personal, so that was pretty weird. But I wouldn't worry about it until uh, we hear more on that front. Whatever's going on there, I'm sure we'll learn after the fact anyway. Brief respite here in the middle of the podcast to remind you guys once again to follow me on Twitter, but also to check out hoop-ball.com because that is what powers the locomotive around here. Go get a premium subscription, the Fantasy Pass, just $4.99 a month, the Wager Pass, nine ninety nine a month. The DFS Pass, an utterly ridiculous $1.99 a month for a month, guys, $2 for 30 days. You can't pay six and a half cents a day to have somebody help you build your DFS lineup. Well, what are you doing? That's six and a half cents. That's nothing or you can roll them all together in the Ball 360 package. That's 12.99 a month. The wager pass has plays from seven handicappers right now. For instance, today there were 22 plays in a thread. 22 plays. I don't know if that's the average, It'll probably be a little bit less than that once college basketball winds down in a month or two, but that's still a little ways from there. So, you know, generally you're getting 15 to 20 plays a day. And again, that's 9 dollars in a month. So $10 for a month, meaning about 33 cents a day. Or today, it was about 1.5 cents per play given out by the hoop ball team. By the way, most handicappers sell one play for $25. And you got to play for 1.5 cents in the wager pass. Devin alone is worth that. Crushing it. Devin's up nine units in college basketball, he's up three units in the NBA. Troy is up 15 units in the NBA in roughly 15 days. So please do. Go to hoopdashball.com. check out the Fantasy Pass, the Wager Pass, the DFS Pass, and HoopBall360. All of them include Discord access, the HoopBall Discord network, where you can interact with the actual analysts and pros from HoopBall all day long. It's awesome. Check it out. Do me that solid. Let's talk about the weekend coming up. Tonight, Friday Eve, I feel very glad that I handicapped this card much earlier in the day because it's a big one. Phoenix is at Detroit, and what we're going to do here is uh, I'm going to give you some some gambling thoughts, but mostly this is going to be a fantasy show. The The Friday edition is largely going to be a fantasy show. But very quickly here on the gambling side, a few things that jump out to me, Celtics In between games against Miami, they host a Washington team that may or may not have Russell Westbrook. This has trap game written all over it on the Boston side. The uh, Raptors laying five points in Sacramento. We don't know what's going on with De'Aaron Fox, but that's a a lot for a Raptors team to lay that has not been very good. Clippers and Warriors are in a rematch game. Lakers hosting the Bulls on a back-to-back after losing... To San Antonio, something tells me the Lakers are going to be a little angry in this one. Those are kind of the big things that leap out at me, at least scheduling-wise, on the Friday card. Uh, We have no idea who's going to be playing for Brooklyn. Uh, One would imagine that that line shifts around if we find out if Kyrie Irving is coming back or not. But from a fantasy standpoint, this is the more important stuff because that's ultimately what this podcast is. Let's just quickly, lightning round style, what are we looking for from each of the 30 teams in their next game over the weekend? Phoenix is at Detroit. We're looking on the Detroit side for the most part. Phoenix is fairly easy to handicap at this point. Detroit trying to figure out who's really picking up for Killian Hayes. DeLon Wright did get more minutes in the last ballgame, but he really hasn't been doing anything with them. Does Mason Plumley bounce back here against a more traditional opponent? Maybe one that's not quite the blowout juggernaut that is the Milwaukee Bucks. I like Phoenix so far. They look, they look pretty good so far this year. Also, on the Detroit side, uh, does anybody step up that we sort of haven't thought of yet? OKC, New York. These teams are starting to crystallize a little bit. With New York, it's really, is New Orleans Noel going to be good to go? Would love to find out if he can get his 18 minutes of ballgame. Because right now, Mitchell Robinson is getting all he can eat, and it's delicious. It's damn delicious, but it's ruined New Orleans Noel. Charlotte at New Orleans. Ugh. I made quite clear earlier this podcast and all week long that the Charlotte forwards annoy me, but if P.J. Washington is really going to play more center, that makes him somewhat more interesting, I just I have no idea how you could possibly use him at center against the Pels of all teams. So you're going to get 30 minutes of Bismack Biombo. which, I don't have a soundboard for this podcast, but if I did, would be the noise for that. Bismack. Washington at Boston. We have to find out who's actually playing for the Wizards, but uh, not much on that team at this point. I think we've got a relatively decent feel for the Wiz. On um, Boston, Daniel Tice. There's your watch list guy. Robert Williams as well. Watch those big men because if they start to chew up more time and Tristan Thompson starts to get wedged a little bit towards the edges, there's a possibility that that team goes from having no True, trustworthy centers. And I know that Time Lord's been a top 70 guy so far, but there's some limited sample size stuff going on. They could go from having no trustworthy ones to maybe even two. So that's a homework game. Watch that game Friday night, tonight. Utah, Milwaukee, don't care. Bobby Portis, I guess. I think we sort of have an idea. He'll level off probably towards the edge of that top 100. Orlando, that's one to watch. Who is the guy? Is Cole Anthony going to play the whole game? Houston. If Christian Wood is back, which I actually kind of want to see what Boogie's going to get to do with Wood healthy. That's the data point we need with Houston. Brooklyn, we just need to know who the hell's playing. Memphis is very hard to watch right now. DeAnthony Melton's the guy there. That's the angle we're checking out. Chicago, nothing. L.A., nothing. Toronto, Norman Powell, can he do stuff? Sacramento, De'Aaron Fox, what's his situation like? I guess there's a frontcourt minute thing with the Kings. What's Marvin Bagley's role looking like? Clippers, nothing really. Warriors, mm, nothing really there either, honestly. And Saturday, what are we looking for from some of these teams? Denver, well, they'd an exhausting game on Thursday night, and they? they went to overtime. And Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray were kind of the only guys that survived. But Will Barton did play 34 minutes, and uh, if he's playing 34 minutes, he's he's still trustworthy enough, if by a fraction of a hair. Philly, we'll see. I mean, yeah, we'll see if that game even happens. That's an afternoon game. I I've, I would put money again. Yes, I am a betting man, and I said this wasn't a huge betting show today, but I would bet that game doesn't happen. Miami-Washington, Kelly Olenek. That's your guy to watch there. If he's in the starting lineup or not. If he's not in the starting lineup, I don't know that I would have the confidence to start him because it could be the beginning of his disappearing act again. But if he's starting, I think you got to start him. We talked about Washington. We talked about Phoenix. Indiana. I think we know what's going on there. Atlanta. I don't know what's happening to Trey Young, but overall, we know what's happening there. Charlotte. Same thing. Talked about him. Spurs. Rudy Gay's still a thing. Every day I watch a Spurs game and think, is this going to be the one where Rudy Gay's not a thing anymore? And yet he's still hanging around right at the edge of the top 100. And he looks quite good doing it. Steals and blocks numbers starting to come down a little bit. Field goal percent starting to come up a little bit. Free throw percent starting to come up a little bit. It's all kind of meeting in the middle. And somehow Rudy Gay in 25 minutes is a nine-cat guy. If but barely, but he's there. And efficient. I like efficient. After a slow start. Getting the legs underneath them. Played well against the Lakers. It's played well against pretty much everybody right now. Minnesota. Boy, are they bad. That's a massive letdown game for the Spurs, though. After beating the Lakers and the Clippers. <laughs> Holy smokes. Minnesota's probably going to be catching 7-8 points. Good lord, you're going to have to stop me from betting on that barf of a team. In any event, uh, Ricky Rubio, that's, that's the angle to watch in that one. Cleveland, do they have Colin Sexton back? I would guess that they do. It's going to be a tough night for them anyway. Milwaukee, Orlando, Dallas, we got a pretty good feel for them on Thursday, but keep an eye on Willie Cauley-Stein. Portland, Sacramento, we talked about those two teams. Portland, again, it's just about Nurk, Robert Covington kind of fitting in, getting all their meshing. Everything needs to mesh in Portland. And I'm not going to worry about Sunday because I'm pretty sure all those teams play on Friday or Saturday. And that, basically, is your weekend edition of Fantasy NBA Today. Folks, if you've been enjoying this podcast and you're sort of hanging out with us now for the season, if you think you're in it for the long haul, please do click that subscribe button. And please, please, please drop a five-star review on the show. It would mean the absolute world to me. I know not all of you guys can go get a subscription to Hootball. I totally understand that. It's why this podcast will be free forever. I will never change that. You have my word and you can show me this damn pod if you ever hear anything otherwise. That is my word, it is my bond. And if you're and if you just want to do the free stuff, drop a five-star review. That's that's the easiest way to say thanks. And the easiest way for me to say thanks is to actually say the word cuz I'm doing the pod. Thank you guys. Thank you for listening through the weird tumult that has been this covid stretch since march speaking of march we march along into the weekend have a great one guys have a safe one guys it's a weird time going on right now please 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 stay safe we'll be back at you monday with reverse chronological lightning round until then i am dan Vesperus for fantasy nba today a hoop ball presentation so long